What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Everybody, welcome to Football Full Circle. Mike Blewett and George Kurtz coming at you from the grid. If you want the edge, stay here. Uh, you know, we've been doing our best to kind of run through free agency and uh, each and every division uh, throughout the NFL. I think this is the seventh division that we're on today. We're saving the NFC East for last. I'm not really sure why. It's not the best, but we saved it. But today we're going to be doing the AFC East. So, look, at, you know, this is obviously a, a really different time that we're dealing with. Uh, for all of you who are just trying to keep you entertained at home, we're walking through potential odds. But the goal of these shows is really to get a little bit of a screenshot of each team uh, through the bulk of free agency, which, look, we're two weeks past free agency now. Uh, most of the players have been signed. Obviously, we have some high-profile players out there that have yet to be signed. Uh, Jadavion Clowney, we have Cam Newton, Jameis Winston are out there, but... You know, those chairs are getting pulled away from those quarterbacks, so I don't know that there's really any starting jobs out there other than conceivably, George, uh, the Chargers. Miami, I think, is going with Fitz and a rookie. The Chargers could conceivably go with a veteran, but really most of the chairs have been pulled away for uh, the bulk of free agency, particularly the quarterbacks. Yeah, agreed. You mentioned the music has stopped, and there's just no, uh, there's no chairs left. The Chargers, I'm... A- I get it because I think they're going to go with a rookie too at six. I think that's their plan here. Whether it's from so. or uh, I don't, I don't think two is going to fall that far. Uh, Herbert could be there. Well, whatever they're going to do, I think they're going to take uh, go with Taylor and a rookie. I can see as we go further along here into spring, maybe the summer, if the price tag for Cam and Winston is just too good to pass up, you know, one year, eight, ten million, something silly like that, where yeah, okay, we'll grab him, you know, we'll install him then. No one can work in OTAs and maybe training camp anyway. So, yeah, you're not, not losing anything by, not, by signing Cam three months from now over now. So I can see that happening there. I mean, we brought up the Patriots before, too, but you just mentioned before the show, they have no cap room left. So yeah. to sign anybody, they would need to make other moves. So that's unlikely to happen. And they seem to be steadfast. They had a plan going in the whole time anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, they, I'm sure they had a, feel, a feeling that both Cam and Winston would be released. If they wanted them, they would have gone out and gotten them by now. Yeah. And they didn't. And I agree with you about Miami. It's fits and uh. I think it's going to be Tua. If he uh, lasts at five, maybe they got to trade up. But if it's not Tua, it'll still be, once again, Herbert Fromm. Whoever it's going to be, that's who they'll go with at five. And they'll, I think they're happy with Fitz. And uh, they want him maybe to groom their young quarterback. So uh, it's the Chargers a bust for me, but they seem to be – Anthony Lynn seems to want Tyrod Taylor. I don't think it's going to work. I think it's a team that's sort of built to win now. Yeah. I think you want a better quarterback, but they don't seem to want to go in that direction. 
Yeah, and when we say build to win now, it doesn't mean that we think they're going to win at all, but it's a team, it's roster construction is made to win games now. They obviously had a really disappointing season last year, but it doesn't mean that they can't bounce back. We see this all the time. You know, we I think we had eight teams in the playoffs in 2019 that hadn't made the playoffs in the previous season. So there's generally a pretty big rotation, or, or maybe that was the case from uh, 17 to 18. But n- nonetheless, we do see a pretty significant turnover. I, I think, honestly, if things just went according to plan, for the Chargers uh, and everybody staying relatively healthy, I think they're a playoff team, uh, especially with the addition of the playoff team. You know, might be borderline, but you know, right now we have to see what they are going to do at QB. I just feel like they're still in the mix uh, for one of these remaining QBs. So uh, let's get to some other stories that are of concern today. One of them does impact the Chargers because SoFi Stadium, uh, as positive coronavirus cases have, have popped up at the site, and that's the Rams slash Chargers new stadium. Rams CEO Kevin Demoff continues to be optimistic. This is all according to Pro Football Talk uh, that the stadium will be completed in time. Um, now he says this is not the time you want to be finishing a stadium in the environment as you prepare. Obviously, there's always walkthroughs, George, and people being intimately involved with the finishing touches, some of which could be significant uh, on a stadium of this size and price tag and everything else. So um, I'll just pose the question to you as we get a little bit further into the story. Uh, do you think there's a chance? I, I think it's so far gone. I'm going to ask you if you think there's a chance that they can play in this stadium this season. This season? Yeah. Will you say it like that? I'll, I'll say a chance, yes. I don't okay. think it'll be week one. I don't think it'll be week one That's anymore. probably the better way to ask it. All right. I mean, how can it be week one anymore? I mean, I'm assuming this, uh, this, they weren't ahead of progress here where they were going to be done four or five months before the, the due date. They were probably looking to be done somewhere in August. You the, know, the, uh, the, that's, a good, that's a good point to bring up. The opening event was going to be July 25th, the Taylor Swift concert. So that gives you pretty much six weeks leeway, right? Forget the concert. That's not going to happen. Gives you yeah. about six, five weeks, six weeks in there where they, they right, right, finish right, up. Right. So I, I don't see that happening. I don't. I mean, unless things change drastically in this country, I and mean, we expect it only to get worse, I don't see how they're opening. I mean, I'm, an, I'm a hockey fan. The Islanders are building a new arena in Belmont. They've shut down work there. There's no way yeah. that will be ready now for not next season, the season after. That's not going to happen. Right. Unless, once again, that they were right up against it as it was. I don't even think they had a six-week lay, uh, leeway in the, in the Islanders' case. So that uh, arena won't be built or won't be available. I suppose, Mike... If they're just off by a couple of weeks, you know, things return. I said they had a six-week, uh, five weeks, you know, uh, slack there. If they get where it's eight weeks, I suppose they can make up that three weeks by working double shifts and stuff like that, which I'm sure they would do. But what if they're two months, three months? I feel like they're, we're going to work double shifts anyway to get these things You're done. I feel right. like they, they, as they approach deadline, people are they're just working 16 hours a day on the construction sites to get this stuff done. I, I So I was living in a neighborhood in Brooklyn called Park Slope. Uh, as Barclays Center was being built. The irony is that it was being knocked down and constructed for the entire two years that I lived there, and I never once got a chance to go inside, and it opened about a month after I left. But uh, that thing was, you know, it was a mess, a monstrosity of, and it's a nice building, a really nice building, but it was a monstrosity of a mess there for the entirety of the two years. And as things got close, they were working longer hours on the site you know they they you have to shut it down at some point for no, noise ordinances but i would suspect that would happen to sofi stadium anyway yeah i said i, I don't think it'd be ready i'd be i would be surprised or i mean i don't know what the finishing touches are maybe if everything works but there is you know a couple of uh i don't know outside fixtures that aren't done stuff like that okay maybe yeah but i think it would have to be i don't think it would be 100 complete if they open it i said i'm not even sure at this point that we're playing football week one I'm not either. I mean, I, I, boy, if I was going to lay odds on that, you're not getting any better than 50-50 for me. I said, I'm not so sure. Things are only getting worse right now and a lot worse. I mean, we live in New York. Governor Cuomo said today, just, re, uh, just within the past hour, how things are getting now worse on Long Island, that now they're concerned about Long Island, which you and I live on. Yeah. Nassau County's got 12K cases. Suffolk County's got 10K cases. So I just don't see how – I said, I, I'm not so sure baseball's coming back. I don't think basketball and hockey have a chance in hell. I think that's a zero. I think that's approaching zero percent. Right. I, th- I think that's done. And if we uh, if we do play, I don't see it where fans are going to games. I don't see that happening at all. Not until next. Uh, not this season for all these sports. 
And yeah. I don't, and that includes the NBA and NHL when they start up again in October and November. I agree. I think you're, I think you're looking at, you know, maybe before fans can return to sports sometime next year, maybe 2021. A, a year from now. And I wonder this, you know, I know we're a football show, but basketball, you start in November. I've always wondered why basketball doesn't start after the NFL season. You know, start because so, you can dominate then, right? Start after the NFL, you run through, uh, let's say you start the season in February, right after, that, right after the Super Bowl. Literally, you have your opening tip-off after the Super Bowl, and you run through the summer. Basketball can be played in the summer. So why not do that? I think it would be a good experiment for them to do, try and dominate that. You're going up against baseball rather than the NFL. When they had the strike-shortened season or lockout-shortened season in 1999, a lot of people enjoyed that. It was kind of a sprint. They had a 50-game regular season, and people enjoyed that. And I think this conversation is going to come up again uh, to shorten the season. The problem is anytime people talk about shortening the season, money. Um, it, yeah, you're losing home. Nobody's going to give up home games. It's they're not. They're not shorting any season. Not on. Not right. on purpose. Right. Right. So, Baseball is always going to be 162. They're not going to make it 150. They're not going to do that. They're not. As you said, no team is giving up money. Yeah. The NFL does it to go play in England, which is drives me insane. But yeah. no one's doing that. The yeah. NFL. You see the NFL. What do they want? They want a 17th game. In 10 years from now, when that CBA is up again, they'll they want, want an 18th, 18th game. game right. Guaranteed, they will. Baseball, so. basketball, and hockey. They're not giving up. Yes, in fact, you and I are so, to some extent surprised that. We didn't get the 18th game in this CBA. The, the goal for them is to extend this season uh, into President's Day weekend, and they're now they're not going to be able to do it for another decade. So that, that was my only surprise. But I'm sure during negotiations it kept coming up, and it was apparent that the PA wasn't going to sign off on the 18th game, so they took what was on the table. But uh, nonetheless, yeah, I, I think we got problems. I think college football is certainly in, in really dire straits and getting started on time, if at all, just because of the logistics of college campuses and the amount of people involved in those teams and everything else. So that's, I mean, we can spend an entire segment on that. But as far as the Rams uh, and the Raiders stadiums are concerned, I think those are in real jeopardy, certainly for week one. Uh, and whether or not they can complete it all is, I think, uh, a story that we're going to have to continue to follow and, and we'll keep you updated. So uh, another signing, George, fell apart. Eli Apple was supposed to go to the Raiders. His mom, who is sort of an on-air personality, big on social media, I remember reading her announcement that she lived her whole life uh, in this area, the New York, New Jersey area, and she was taking her talents to Las Vegas. But it fell apart. We saw this with Darquise Denard and the Jaguars. We saw this with Michael Brockers and the Ravens, which was more of an injury issue. There's no details yet as to why the Eagles fell apart, but it never got and he's not going to be a Raider. I think we talked about this on our first show, Mike. Yeah. All of these free agent signings that we've heard about, we knew there was going to be a smattering of them that weren't going to happen. Yeah. Right? Uh, for whatever reason. failed. Fa I think there'll be more, by the way, because once these physicals happen, that's going to change some things. Some guys are going to fail their physicals. And you know there's language in there that either money can be taken away if they fail a physical or the contract's done. Yeah. You know, so we'll see more. It's going to happen more and more. It's just the way it is. Because of what's going on, no one was able to go see a team doctor. They couldn't check them out. So uh, I said, this is not the first. It won't be the last. And we're going to keep here. I said, it won't be a lot. I would think 10% of the guys yeah. will uh, be, you know, it'll go away somewhere around there. But this won't be the last one. We'll hear about it more, especially once guys can travel more and go visit their doc, uh, go visit the team doctors. Yeah, he's an interesting player in that he was drafted 10th overall by the Giants, considered a complete failure with the Giants, but goes to the Saints and sort of resurrects his reputation, right? He he did some knucklehead stuff um, with, the with the Giants and off-field stuff. It was nothing egregious, but enough that his relationship with the Giants was sort of tenuous pretty early on and remained that way throughout his tenure there. You know, he was a... 2016 draft pick and traded two years into his career. So um, did a good job with the Saints and thought he was moving on to potentially greener pastures. But you know he's he's back on the market. But thoughts on him as a player still still I mean a corner like that is still going to have value on the open market. He will have value. You mean he's not a lockdown corner? He's probably not. If he's your number one cornerback, you probably have That's issues. A right. I don't think you want to have him going up against DeAndre Hopkins over and over. Probably not going to work out well for you. But as a number two, I think he's a solid number two. So I think there will be a market for him. He's probably going to have to go for not quite the contract he went with the Raiders because other teams have signed people already. Or yeah. they may plan to take somebody in the draft. But uh, I think he'll still uh, – I listen, I think he'll be signed before the draft. 
someone will go out there and grab him. He can't wait till after a draft, then there'll be even less jobs for him. I agree. I agree. All right, so a little fun with this story. You and I talked about, uh, about it a little bit last night off the air. Tom Brady is going to be leasing Derek Jeter's waterfront mansion on Davis Islands in Tampa, Florida. And Jeter's had this place for a while, and it is spectacular. But I found it interesting that those two intersected. A lot of people have made the comparisons that, you know, Brady was, uh, Brady and Jeter had very comparable sort of careers. Now, Brady obviously elevated himself uh, amongst quarterbacks and amongst NFL players to an even higher level uh, than Jeter did, but they constructed their careers similarly. They were celebrity, uh, but tried to keep things close knit. They dated celebrities um, and ultimately were very successful on and off the field. And uh, I, it doesn't surprise me at all that they would have a sort of a friendship, a commercial relationship uh, in any event. But that place is spectacular. Yeah, that looks like that looks pretty good. I wouldn't mind living there. Wouldn't no. mind it at all. I mean, it's. Uh, I would think the only difference really between Brady and Jeter, in a general sense, is that Brady got married to the, the supermodel, had the family mm. while playing. You know, where True. Jeter was pretty much all business while playing and nothing else. Yeah. Other than that, they pretty much. Uh, you know, I think Brady has a little bit more of a personality while playing, right? Brady would well, he would interview. You know, football you have to really. Jeter yeah. was always you know you and I are both Yankee fans, but after the games he he gave you nothing. He would talk, but he gave you nothing. Worst interview imaginable. Right. I mean, he's just blah blah blah. You know, pretty much every pun you could think of. But it worked for him. It did. It worked. It and did. honestly, if I were advising somebody, I'd say just we'll just do what Jeter did. So people are going to be so bored to tears with your answers that they'll probably stop asking. Now, he was so famous and popular and good that people had to try to get something out of him anyway. But for the most part, you know, in the New York media circles, he was respectful. He was nice. Right. Uh, he wasn't but, a Belichick. No. You know, he wasn't a jerk to anybody. You know, the, only early in his career were there signs that he got irritated. But I think he, he grew out of that as well. You know, when... When people would float questions to him, they're like, hey, did you hear what George Steinbrenner said about you? I, I think that would bug him. But that was when Jeter was young, and he was going out, and he could get caught on camera by a page six or something like that. And I think he ultimately grew out of that, maybe as stuff to do, or he figured out how to handle it a little bit better with the media and, frankly, of avoiding uh, public instances like that. He did. Like I said, the... Uh... Jeter was very, I mean, one thing about Jeter, he, you never heard anything bad about him. I'm yeah. sure he did some things that, you know, he wouldn't want to get out there, but it, it never got out there, which means he was careful. He was smart. And you mentioned, if I'm an agent, that's exactly how I would tell my, my player to do it. You know? You, I mean, you and I don't like it, but I would tell somebody right. to do that. It's bad for us, sure. It's bad for the fans because they want more information, but it's good for the player, right? I mean, better, better to remain silent and thought a fool than to speak up and remove all doubt. That's right. All right, don't do anything silly. Brady was pretty much the same way. Brady would give you a little bit more, I would say, a little bit more. He yeah. seemed to be a little bit more bubbly during the, uh, the conferences during the week when he had to be available for the media, but he wasn't really telling anything. No. He really wasn't. He would just talk a little bit more. Where G Jeter, Brady seemed to do it with a smile. Jeter was more of a sullen expression. You know, yeah, yeah it's, this is part of the job. I'll do it. Yeah, I think, we showed, I think we showed the graphic of the mansion, so keep an eye on that thing. And uh, it's fun to read about. It's like crazy. It's like the square footage is just Nuts. impossible to, to think of uh, for one house. But it seems like everybody's excited to have him there. I don't think they're going to get a lot of dinner parties with Tom Brady. I think he's a, an all-business kind of guy. Plus, uh, he eats a, an extremely restrictive diet that wouldn't be uh, all that fun and doesn't Avocado ice cream. Yeah, that's right. Pass. That's right. I'm so, pass on uh, so we're going to talk tonight about, or today, about the AFC East. Uh, Patriots, obviously, long dominant in that division, 11 divisional titles in a row. And I think this, obviously, is really the first time that we can talk seriously about them losing a grip on that. I don't think it's a lock, but uh, certainly losing a grip on it. I'll give you a couple of seconds before we head to break. I think, listen, I think the Patriots are in trouble here. I, I, listen, I know it's a Bill Belichick team. I have all the respect in the world for him, McDaniels. But Jared Stidham, really? And maybe he's going to be good. But once again, how many? I know he's technically not a rookie, but he is for me. How many first-year quarterbacks that are starting really turn on and be on a great? Bills are a really good team. Dolphins, Jets, they're still building up there. I think this is, the, uh, this is it for the Patriots. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll come back. We'll break down the Pats. 
next, their cap space, the signings that they've made. It's Mike and George on Football Full Circle on the grid. We'll be right back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everybody. Football Full Circle, Mike and George. Please follow us on Twitter at SportsGrid. I'm at Mike Blewett. George is at George Kurtz. Keeping it simple. If you want to follow us on Instagram, do so at SportsGridTV on YouTube uh, on SportsGrid. So I uh, appreciate it. So, uh, all right, let's get into the AFC East, George. I'll give you a, a broad picture of it first. Uh, the odds are right now uh, both the Bills and Pats plus 120 to win the division and both teams at plus 1,000 uh, to win the conference championship in the AFC. The Jets are at plus 750 to win the division. Dolphins at plus 950. So obviously some thoughts there that the Dolphins are still rebuilding. And we'll get into their in, each individual win totals as we go through it team by team. So Patriots. You know, this is a question I was going to save to the last show, but... I would say Tom Brady leaving the Patriots is the biggest offseason move, right? The biggest offseason acquisition is probably either DeAndre Hopkins for the Cardinals or uh, Tom Brady for the Bucks. Am I missing anybody? Oh, no. I think those are by far the two biggest moves. Yeah. Right? I mean, you told me Brady, uh, very possibly the greatest quarterback of all time. Leaves of the New England Patriots are the best dynasty ever to go to the Buccaneers. Sure, that's got to be one of the biggest moves ever, yeah. not just this offseason. And, you know, we, you and I have broken down this Hopkins trade multiple times on multiple shows. You're talking a top two, top three wide receiver in the game today gets traded for, I mean, mo- what most people don't think was anywhere near enough yeah. to go right. to the Arizona. So uh, I think Brady's probably the bigger story because he's the number one quarterback ever where Hopkins, it's debatable if he's the number one wide receiver in the NFL sure. today. Yeah. So I would get Brady then Hopkins, but both are massive stories. Right. So it, so the losses for the for the Patriots are significant. They lose Tom Brady, uh, Philip Dorsett to the Seahawks, Ben Watson retired, Ted Karras goes to the Dolphins, offensive lineman, Danny Shelton uh, to the Lions, uh, Elandon Roberts to the Dolphins. The Dolphins picking up some some Patriots as well. Brian Flores out of the Patriots system, he's trying to replicate the culture down there as well. I hope he doesn't do it just by signing those players. But he's not done yet. Jamie Collins went to the Lions. 
So you can see a lot of these players are gone to Matt Patricia and Brian Flores. Kyle Van Noy actually got pretty big money uh, to go to the Dolphins. Uh, Jerron Harmon goes to the Lions. And Steven Guskowski is uh, yet to be signed. So uh, maybe he comes back on a shorter deal. Guskowski hasn't been as dominant a kicker as he was uh, in the last couple of seasons. But nonetheless, those are all huge losses. So uh, I'll get into their signings in a minute. They only have $900,000 in cap space left. It's the least in the league. So they're effectively done other than the draft. Uh, obviously, we'll talk about Stidham in a minute, but what I wanted to ask you is, do you think Brady is going to have a significant impact on the culture of the Patriots, or is that has Belichick really cemented that, that regardless of who the quarterback is, despite who he was, that the culture will sort of continue as is, or is Brady going to suck the air out of the room by having left? Oh, man, that's a tough question. I know. I mean, that is really a tough question, because if you're on the pages right now, you have to be thinking like most of us are thinking. Tom Brady's gone. Greatest quarterback of all time, gone, and we're going with what's essentially a rookie. Yeah, I mean, listen, the guys who have been there, sure, they've worked with Stidham in practice. They've seen what he can do. But we know, we all know games are completely different. He's going to have hiccups. You know, he's just going to. So uh, I think Brady leaving is, uh, is a big thing. I do. It wasn't like he was a locker room disruption or anything like that. He was, by all accounts, a good guy, a very modest guy. You've all heard mm-hmm. the stories in ESPN. Or whenever somebody new comes on the team, he goes, hi, I'm Tom. And they're all yeah. like, yeah, I know who the F you are. You're Tom Brady. That's so you know? funny you said that because I, I met Derek Jeter a few times through – through work years ago, and he did the same thing. It was obvious. I knew who he was, right? Everybody knows who he was. But I, I, that always stuck out to me because we just made that Brady-Jeter comparison. That always stuck out to me because I met other athletes that were, were not quite as famous, and they didn't always do that. But he, he was respectful to say that. I, I guess it's the right thing to do, but it, it's always odd when somebody famous – it would be odd when somebody famous says that to you. But I think it's respectful to do that. Right, it's, the, it's respectful. It's obviously the the way you should do things, but uh, you know, I think like, it just shows you what kind of person Tom was. That he wasn't a jerk. Well, wasn't full of himself, you know, that sort of thing. So uh, I said, I don't think Bill's going to change. I don't think Bill's going to change whatsoever. Yeah. You know, he's going to run it the way he always run it and expect you to do your job, next man up, and all that. But you can't tell me that going from Brady to Stidham, even at this point in Brady's career, that that isn't a uh, you know a step down, at least at first. Yeah, maybe Stidham ends up being a decent quarterback. I could see Stidham be, end up being the quarterback that Brady was at this point in his career. I could see that at some point yeah. during the season, possibly, because Brady Brady's not the Brady he was five, six years ago. He's not. Right. But to say he's going to do that from game one, no, I can't see that. Yeah. Uh, so let's get into the, who they signed. Uh, Bo Allen signing a two-year deal worth up to $8 million defensive tackle. Uh, Demir Bird signing a one-year deal. Devin McCourt. Brian Hoyer comes back on a one-year deal. He had beaten out Stidham. Uh, Brian Hoyer was at one point the backup to the Patriots. He's been on the Patriots. I think this might be his third stint with the Patriots, but correct me if I'm wrong. It's at least number three. Yeah, so uh, so he's back. He obviously knows the system well. I don't. I think he's there to be the backup. I don't know that he's going to challenge Stidham with one caveat. If Stidham plays badly, uh, during camp and, and preseason, if they have it, then maybe Hoyer has an opportunity to just go out there for a bunch of games until Stidham can get it together. Uh, Devin McCourty back on a two-year, $23 million deal. I thought for a moment that that might not be the case, and he's a big culture guy too, right? Matthew Slater, Devin McCourty, guys that have been around for a while. Adrian Phillips, um, safety has agreed. Matthew Slater, whom I just mentioned, is a two-year extension uh, to stay in New England. Joe Thune. Now, Joe Thune is a really good guard. They like him a lot. Uh, they franchise tagged him. When he got franchise tagged, I remember looking online, and there were a lot of Pats fans saying, "Well, we're just going to sign and we're just going to sign him to that tag and trade him because uh, we need to get Brady back in the fold." But I was really thinking at the time that that was the move that I was like, you know what, I actually think this, I actually think Tom might be gone now. And I suspected that he might be, but you and I have talked about it before. I didn't think it was greater than 40% that he was going to leave, right? Or no. Yeah, I thought it was about 
40% that he was going to stay with the Patriots, 40 to 50%. But once the Thune signing happened, I was like, man, they're out of money. Yeah, it was a strange, a strange situation. Uh, just a strange situation. What, why, why he left here? You know, the the, the Patriots didn't want to spend the money on him. That Tom, we thought Tom wanted more money, right? That Tom's. I thought when he signed with Tampa Bay, when, uh, before we saw the contract, I'm like, okay, he probably got two years, at least sixty million, if not seventy million. And the Patriots weren't going to go that that high for someone who, at this point in his career, is not worth that. And then we see him at wow, it's twenty five million a year. Like, oh God. Yeah. That's that's not. Tom, that's not Tom Brady. That's not even great starting Great money, but reasonable money for quarterbacks. Very reasonable money for a quarterback, which lets you know that the Patriots, either Tom didn't want to be there and he was just taking money to go anywhere, or the Patriots weren't even going to give him that. And I, don't I think they just weren't going to give him that. Right. I, yeah, I think, they, I think the, he I wanted think to turn the page. Sides. Right. I think it's on both sides, Mike. I do. I think Brady wanted to leave. I think, uh, I think the Patriots were more than willing to let him leave. But what would, the, what would the roster look like if they had been? They're already at the cap right now. If they have another $25 million bucks on the cap, like maybe maybe Bill is right in that the roster would have further deteriorated. He already traded Deron Harmon, who was somebody he sort of wanted to keep but couldn't afford. They let all these other guys walk. At some point, you got to turn the page, but it seems like they turned the page on a few players this offseason. It's not just Brady, right? Van Noy and Roberts and, you know, a bunch of other guys that were impactful players for them. Danny Shelton was a huge find for them when they got him from Cleveland. You know, you and I talked before the show, I look at this roster, and I, can't, and I knew they were right up against the cap. I didn't know that exactly where they were, but I knew they were right up against it. And I look at this roster, I'm like, where's the money? What are they spending it on? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not a lot. there's not a lot of name players out here. There's a lot of still players you know, since if, you, if you know football, but not stars. I mean, really, the biggest star on this team is probably on defense is probably Stephen Gilmore, the cornerback, yeah. ex-Buffalo Bill, really yeah. good, yeah. You know, a top top ten quarterback in the NFL, maybe top five. Yeah, I'm looking up for you now. You know, yeah. we all know Julian Edelman, a wide receiver, but he's not he's not Devontae Adams, not no. DeAndre Hopkins, or you know one of those big guys, Michael Thomas. He's not that kind of receiver. Yeah, so here it is. Gilmore is at ten and a half million bucks uh, base. Uh, let me do the cap numbers. Gilmore, 18 million. Joe Thune, 14 million because he's franchise tagged. They might sign him to a longer term deal and smooth that out so that he's not as big of a cap number. Uh, Julian Edelman, just a shade under 10 million. Marcus Cannon, 9 million. Shaq Mason, 8 million. Mohamed Sanu, 6.5. Patrick Chun, 6. Jonathan Jones, Jason McCourty, Devin McCourty, all in the $5 million range. So they have a bunch of mid range guys that start to add up. And they obviously are spending some money on the offensive line, but to your point, like for the roster to look like this and them still to be capped out is a strange thing to look at. It is. It's, it's weird. I mean, you would expect them to have better, bigger name players, but they have a lot of middle of the road players. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to here. Uh, listen, I think they're still going to be a competitive team. I do, but I don't think they're the, anywhere near the favorites anymore. And I don't even have them winning the division. I think now they're fighting for a wild card spot. Yeah, got it. So let's move over to the Jets. We'll talk about the win totals in, in the next segment. Um, the Jets. Robbie Anderson goes to the Panthers, um, which was a key move for them. I, I knew that was going to be a big decision for them. And frankly, the contract that he got, I thought they could sign him to, and they decided not to. Uh, uh, Ryan Khalil, Kevin Beach, and Damaris Thomas, Brandon Copeland, Daryl Roberts, uh, Maurice Kennedy. They didn't really lose a lot. And the Jets still have the third most uh, room uh, on the cap. Right now, it's at $32 million. And here's who they signed. Josh Andrews, uh, center guard Pierre Desir from the Colts, a big corner. Uh, I don't know that he always grades out well, but they're bolstering uh, that with a one-year deal. George Fant, tackle, uh, formerly of the Seahawks, three-year, $27 million deal. Jordan Jenkins, one-year deal. Alex Lewis, re-signed with them after coming from Baltimore last season. George Connor McGovern, three-year, $27 million deal. So that's three offensive linemen I've mentioned now. Patrick Onwasor, linebacker from the Ravens, joins his old teammate in, um, who's the guy they signed last year that was hurt all year, C.J. Mosley. Uh, Brashad Perriman, uh, signing a one-year deal up to $8 million. Brian Poole re-signs, and Greg Van Roten signed a three-year deal with the Jets. Four offensive linemen, George, three from the outside, one from within. Uh, so... I think all of this leads me to believe that I think they did a nice job adding bodies to the offensive line. I don't know that each individual piece is spectacular, 
But I do appreciate that they overhaul the offensive line, which was just a putrid unit the last couple of seasons. But it leads me to believe that I thought they might go offensive line in the first round, and now I think they're absolutely going to go receiver. Yeah, what it tells you is uh, you give the Jets credit. They knew what was bad, right? And uh, they, they went out and they tried to fix it. Uh, I sort of leave with you. The, uh, they better hope the hole is better than the sum of its parts, right? I, I agree. Mean, one by one, this doesn't look very pretty. Maybe together they play as a great as a unit. Remains to be seen. I think it'll be better. Can't be much worse than what it was. So uh, it'll be better, but I, I don't know if I think they've solved the problem here. Uh, I agree. Listen, it all comes down to this Sam Donald too much up and down and we everybody made a big deal of him what seeing ghosts because of what he said on the espn thing last year it's really a joke everybody yeah. wants uh, the players to be mic'd up and they say something that's interesting and we all make fun of them Can't yeah they crush players. him they crush right. him like he's scared of his own shadow and meanwhile uh, a half a dozen quarterbacks you saw in the next day or two were like it happens to all of us right everybody's having saying, a bad day it's just a term that you'll use yeah. uh now can gase use levy on bell or use him correctly is what i should say Right, didn't didn't do it last year, mm-hmm. and can he do it this year? Uh, I thought, listen, letting Robbie Anderson go for a couple of million, and I thought that was silly. I mean, he it was a two-year, twenty million dollar deal. Right, it was, like it was a, a nothing deal. That was less than he was. He said he wanted. He wanted fourteen million yeah. a year. He said he wanted fourteen, and then yeah. he signed less. And the Jets wouldn't even go. I mean, I don't know what happened there. Once again, maybe like you and I discussed before. Square peg, round hole. They didn't want to go there. He's caused some problem. Whatever. Yeah, but still, I, I get. I, I, I sort of get it from from Gase, who's obviously tried to turn over the entire culture in Miami, and it it was falling apart as he was trying to win games. I think him going on a little bit of a run at the end of the season last year, which we we would both agree is sort of a false run. They didn't play a lot of good teams. Um, in fact, their number, their total win total. Let me check it again right now is at six and a half on FanDuel. That's lower than it was last year going into the season. They'll be playing the AFC West and NFC West, so good teams, which is impacting that number to some extent. Um, and we we do have a lot of question marks about the Jets, but I can the fact that they still have this cap room, that they went and tried to fix the offensive line, you and I have talked about this before. A lot of times offensive line units are really about the sum of its parts as opposed to individual players. And if they can maintain some continuity and protect Darnold and open up some holes for Bell, then I think this team can challenge offensively. It's just that their weapons on the outside are still, you know, Perriman and Crowder. And now I I think they absolutely have to draft one or two wide receivers upcoming. And they're in a great spot, Mike, because they're they're drafting at number 11. And you you look at the 10 teams before them, they might get their choice of wide receiver. Yeah. Right? We know the Bengals, Skins, uh, Lions, Giants, Dolphins, they're not taking a wide receiver. Yeah. Right? So that they're good there. Chargers, we expect to take a quarterback. Panthers at seven, I don't see them taking a wide receiver. Cardinals aren't taking the Robbie Anderson thing. Right. Cardinals aren't taking one at eight. The Jaguars at nine, maybe. I think the Jaguars it will could move out of there for somebody that wants Judy or CD Lamb. Right. I think that I think that pick should be on the move. If I'm if I'm with the Jaguars, I'd need as many picks as possible. It's either the worst or second worst roster in the league. I agree. That that'd be the one spot where I don't think they take a one, but they might trade out of it to somebody who wants that top wide receiver, that That's number right. one guy. The Browns pick at ten with Beckham and Landry. I don't see them taking a wide receiver either. So no. if, if the draft, if nobody moves. The Jets will have their choice. And let's face it, even worst-case scenario, they get top two, top three. If everything goes wrong and two teams trade in, which I, I don't see happening, but the Jets will get their pick of uh, one, of the top, one of the top receivers. So yeah. they're in a good spot at 11 here, but I, I completely agree with you. I, I'd be shocked if they don't take a wide receiver at 11. Yeah, so do you think the Jets actually have a chance to challenge the Bills and Pats here? No. No, not, not yet. Too many moving parts here. Because, you know, we don't know if Bell's going to be any better. Is Don, Sam Donald going to be any better? The offensive line needs to gel. We have wide receiver problems. I like the tight ends. Yeah. I mean, I like uh, Griffin and Herndon. Two yeah. good, good, solid players there. I just feel like we're in this perpetual evaluation mode with the Jets that, we like, are. well, if things go okay, we'll see how they look in the second half of the season. It's like, why am I saying that for the third season in a row with them? Constant rebuild. Yeah. So we'll come back. We're going to talk about uh, the Bills and the Dolphins next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the Challenge Gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on Football Full Circle, Mike Blute and George Kurtz taking you through uh, the AFC East. We talk about the Pats and the Jets in the previous segment. Now we'll talk about uh, Bills, Dolphins. We'll start it off with the Bills. They're co-favorites to win the division uh, at plus 120, plus 1,000 to win the conference, just same as the Pats. Their win total is currently a half a win lower, eight and a half as opposed to the Pats, nine. So that is one interesting thing, George, in that uh, – the bookmakers right now, FanDuel specifically, don't have any dominant teams coming out of this division at the moment. No, and listen, there's no Kansas City Chiefs, there's no Baltimore Ravens, no Saints. I get it, you know, but I think there are better teams here. I think Buffalo is a step above everyone with the exception of possibly New England. And with New England, it all, once again, it all depends on Stidham and how well he can play right away. I think the Bills, uh, in my mind, are a team to beat. I like I really like the moves they've made this offseason. I like it when teams, you know, we, we just criticized the Jets, but they knew what they needed, offensive line help. I may not have liked what they added, but at least they knew what the problem was and, and I'm trying to fix it. Yeah. Same thing with the Bills. In my mind, the biggest issue with the Bills was that receiver position. And yeah. they went out and they said, hey, we're, not only are we going to fix it, we're going to bang it down and make sure it's, you know, it's nailed, nailed in shut tight. And I like what they've done there too. Yeah, so I'll give their losses first. Right now, Frank Gore is unsigned. Uh, Jordan Phillips, defensive tackle, went to the Cardinals. Shaq Lawson, uh, former defensive end, uh, who was a first-round pick for them years ago, he goes to the Dolphins. A lot of interdivisional, uh, intradivisional movement here um, in the AFC East, a surprising amount. Uh, Lorenzo Alexander, uh, Kevin Johnson left to go to the Browns, uh, and then safety Kurt Coleman. Not a lot of huge losses. Shaq Lawson was a little disappointing, I believe, uh, for them in terms of uh, what he was able to produce for them. But uh, here we are. As far as their signings are concerned, now I'll say this. Over the last – here's what I like about the Bills. The general manager and the coach, as much as from the outside, from what we can perceive, are on the same page as much as any organization in the entire league. They, they work together in Carolina. They obviously sort of came together in sort of a package to Buffalo. Um, you know, McDermott was really heavily influenced in choosing Brandon Bean as the uh, general manager. They brought Panthers players up, which they, I'm about to mention a couple more, and they've really set a culture that they feel is going to work. Now, does it get them to the mountaintop? That's hard to do, and we'll have to continue to watch that. But I do appreciate that as much as any team, they appear to be on the same page, George. And that's so important, right? You need to have a coach and a GM on the same team. 
I mean, the last thing you want is a GM acquiring players that the coach doesn't want. You know, Le'Veon Bell, Jets, yeah. right? It doesn't work out. The coach is not. The coach is going to feel resentful. He's not going to use the play the way he wants it, or he knows the play doesn't fit his system and it won't work. So it, I think you're always much, much better off if the two are on the same page. It's why you know sometimes I don't. I I go with about two ways. I don't mind the coach sort of hiring his own GM, assuming the coach will let the GM do his job. Yeah. You know, and I mean, it's worked GM in San too. Francisco and Seattle. It's worked. Right. It, it and can work. The coach work. was there first. Well, we, we've seen it where it doesn't work too, where the coach, you know, the GM is the figurehead. That's all he is. He's not doing yeah. anything. The coach is still running it anyway. Then that doesn't work. You know, they right. need to have a, a symbiotic relationship. That happened with the Jets, John Idzik and, and Rex Ryan. It just it, it never worked. So, um, it, so and and in concert with those two guys being on the same page, they spent a good amount of money in free agency. Actually, was disappointed in what they did last year because they signed like nine players, and they still ended up with the receiving core of John Brown and Cole Beasley. Now. Both of those players outperformed what I thought they could do. But adding Stephon Diggs to the mix, we mentioned Brady and Hopkins are the two biggest moves in free agency. Stephon Diggs is right there uh, at the top, probably a top five sort of acquisition. They paid to get him, but you know they're going for it now, and they did it at the right time when Tom Brady's out of the division. So they signed Mario Addison, Vernon Butler, uh, both signed uh, three- and two-year deals, respectively. They're former uh, Carolina edge rusher and defensive tackle. Stephon Diggs, the trade we went over, uh, along with the 2027th-round pick, they they gave up a first 2020 first-round pick, fifth-round pick, sixth-round pick, and a fourth-round pick next season. Resigned E.J. Gaines to a one-year deal. Quinton Jefferson, uh, defensive end, uh, resigns with the Bills as my screen goes blank. They signed Josh Norman on a one-year deal. Quinton Spain signed it, resigned to a three-year, $115 million deal. Excuse me. Uh, and Daryl Williams signed a one-year deal. So uh, that's another one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players. Two are resigns, but they bring another six more players in from the outside. They've done a good job of turning over the roster. McDermott's got the players he wants, uh, obviously working tightly with Brandon Bean. And I think they're in a position, obviously, finally to challenge uh, for somebody to win the division. I never felt, I felt like there was a gap between them and the Pats last year, even though the Bills did a good job. But I just wonder, can Josh Allen put it together with these three wideouts and can they win the division? Well, it's all on Josh Allen now. Yeah. I mean, there's, uh, there may be more pressure on him than anybody else in football. I think that's fair. Because once again, the added digs. The running game is at least solid. The defense is beyond good, right? And so it's yeah. all on you. And the pages have lost Tom Brady. There's no excuses now. You know, you have theoretically you have all the pieces in place. I mean, they're not all world pieces, right? I mean, Dawson Knox at tight end is a solid tight end, but nothing spectacular. Uh, Diggs, Brown, and Beasley is not challenging anybody for the best wide receiver trio, but it's good. Yeah. Right. So, but the pieces are in place now. No I mean, I would just go offensive line in, in those mid-rounds. They, they're missing a few picks, but I'm going offensive line to try and help Josh Allen out a little bit more. Devin Singletary, they drafted last year. You're right, they drafted the tight end. They've made these wide receiver acquisitions, which I think, frankly, are now that I look at them, you know, they were better than I thought, and Diggs I like a lot. So now, I, I was just disappointed that they spent all that money last year and didn't have a number one wide receiver. John Brown outperformed what I expected, but now they have a number one, so no complaints after. You know, that's the funny thing. A lot of times you look at one free agency class isolated, but a lot of times when you're rebuilding or building up a team, it's a cycle, right? It's a free agency and a draft and a free agency and a draft. That really all together is, what, a 14-month deal? That's a oh, lot of least, players. It's at least a lot of players coming. And, and we know football is not baseball where it's individual. You know, get up there, hit the ball. Football, you need to have a play as a unit. Chemistry it takes a while. It does yeah. take a while here. I wonder this. You know, uh, they gave up a one five six this year and a four next year for Diggs. I wonder if they had talks with Houston. You know, Buffalo. And now Houston may have said, No, no, we're not trading you, Hopkins. You're in our conference. We're going to be yeah. battling you for the. Uh, you know, to get to well, we're not giving you the best receiver in football. The only other team I heard mention this right now, and I haven't looked at all of them, but. Um, Philly has addressed it. Howie Roseman addressed it because there seemed to be, I, I don't know why he addresses the fan base so much. I think it's the nature of that city. But um, he talked sort of about how he danced around 
why they didn't get DeAndre Hopkins and why are they sitting there with Alshon Jeffrey and uh, Ortega Whiteside? And yeah, and I, I wouldn't have addressed it directly like that. I would have said, look, we, we have talks with everybody. We have a certain amount of money to spend and certain assets to spend, and we just couldn't come to an agreement. Because Philly fans are like, hey, that's all you had to give up. Why didn't you do it? Well, you also have to pay him $20 million. There's the key. That might have been the thing. Either the, either the price to get him was the same. And who knows that who Houston knew I would have wanted. There's no David Johnson right. on uh, – Right on, Phil, on Philadelphia, they may have wanted a better play. They didn't want to give up, and do, do they have the cap room then to pay him twenty plus? He's going to get more than twenty. Cooper got twenty. Right. right? Uh, Hopkins is getting at least twenty-one, twenty-two. So that price is getting higher. Granted, the cap should get higher as well once all these new TV contracts yeah. hit. Uh, but yeah, still, sure. he's going to want a significant a chunk of change. Yeah, those numbers t- tend to be shocking, but as you said, as the cap goes up. Um, those numbers will seem less significant because as a percentage of the cap, it's just the same as, it, as it's been, or relatively close, uh, even though the numbers uh, look out of control. So eight and a half win total. I think you and I both over. At, at the surface. My favorite like, over. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It is your favorite over, you said. I, I think eight and a half is surprisingly low. Leave I think you alone, if, Gabe. I think if you... Uh, I think if you're recalling the under there, then that would mean that you just don't have faith in Josh Allen to come back with any kind of repeat performance. He was good last year. We had questions about him. Uh, but eight and a half seems low to me at, at first glance. I mean, it seems incredibly low to me. Yeah. I, this is my favorite. As, as of all the over-unders that we've talked about, it's by far my favorite. It's the one I will have money on. Yeah. Uh, I think they're going to win double digits. Unless Josh Allen gets hurt. And you can say that about any team. If their starting quarterback gets hurt, you're probably toast. So I'm not going to bank on that. Granted, I do think he has a better chance of getting hurt because he's a running quarterback. You yeah. know, there's always a chance he gets hit out there. And he does do some stupid things when he runs. I like to see him slide a little bit more. I would. Don't but toss still. the ball up in the air behind you blindly oh, in the middle of the playoff game. There you go. Uh, just what are you doing? But yeah. still, I, I think they win. I, listen, I think they win 11 games. 10, 11 games, I think, is uh, the, the least amount. I think they win that division. Give me the over. Yeah, and throughout the rest of the offseason, George and I will go through game by game and do some over-unders uh, specifically for the team. These are really just sort of first glance, first look, and that under feels really low. Again, uh, I'll, I'll say it, it's a caveat during every show. I, I'm not recommending anybody to do this stuff right now. There's too much information that needs to come out about if and when football is going to start. So uh, having the books hold your money for an extended period of time might might not be advisable at Might this moment. Might not be wise. So, Plus, not to mention, what if we, what if we don't have a 16-game season? I know. it's uh, you got They'll have to refund all the uh, total bets. I, I think we will, by the way, Mike, because I think, once again, football will just play into February, maybe play into March if they have to. So I think we will difficult have logistically, it. but, yeah. yeah I mean, it, it will. They can't make if it If we get games. started, you're saying they're not going to do a truncated uh, season. It depends how, how many games. I think they would make up a game or two. I don't think they'll make up four four to six or plus. I don't think they're going to go that deep. But I think they'd go deep into February if they had to. All right. Okay. Uh, we're going to land the plane with the Dolphins. They still have $23 million in cap space left. I think they could be a player for one of the remaining free agents. I think the Bills are probably done spending. You know, you have to keep in mind that when teams have cap space, they're not going to spend every dime out there because they may not find value. Plus, a lot of it is baked into some of the longer-term contracts that they've signed, right? That, that space can fluctuate, reduce, increase in 2021 and 2022 and, and beyond. Um so the Dolphins, they didn't really lose much, George. They did a job during the season of starting to re-sign players mid-season. We saw that with Devontae Parker. Uh, we saw that with a couple of defensive backs as well. So they really only lose uh, Rashad Jones, Aqib Tlaib. Aqib Tlaib didn't even really play there. Uh, Clive, Clive Walford, the tight end, the very little... Uh, has has left Miami. Obviously, they were a team that we knew was going to struggle going into the season last year. I had them under four and a half. They hit the over uh, in excruciating fashion, I, I must say. But here's who they signed. Uh, Adrian Colbert, uh, one-year deer. Eric Flowers signed a three-year, $30 million deal. That was eye-popping for a lot of people. But um, if he can be a productive right tackle, right guard, then so be it. Not every offensive lineman in the league lives up to expectations, and they're not Hall of Famers. Uh, I'm happy in a way that Eric Flowers has been able to continue his career because he just got crushed here in New York when he was with the Giants because he he really wasn't put in a position to succeed, and he didn't perform well. So uh, that was unfortunate. Uh, Camus uh, Grugier-Hill 
signed with the Dolphins. Jordan Howard signed a two-year, $10 million deal. So that's part of your running back stable moving forward. Byron Jones is really their big signing, George. Five-year, $82 million deal, 54 and a half guaranteed. Former Cowboy and Byron Jones. Yeah, it's good for Byron, good for the Dolphins there. Uh, I'll miss Byron, but one thing they'll bring up, I think there was something like 380 players have an interception since Byron Jones' last one. I might tell when I tell you something. Not a ball uh, hawk. Not a ball hawk. No, he's not going to get yeah. you a turnover. Not no. what he does. But still a good, solid uh, cornerback who can lock down people. Extremely uh, athletic guy. You know, he made a name for himself in the combine and everything else. But he's a, you know, a good, a really good player. I, I, I think sometimes people say, uh, you know, I, I think teams got scared away from the number that he was going to get. But the market is what the market is. And that's what Byron Jones was getting paid. Somebody was going to give it to him. A few teams were in the bidding, and he got it. Yeah, I mean, uh, you could ask Michael Thomas how good Byron Jones is. Uh, Jones has shut him down twice now, the uh, last two games they've played. Uh, listen, I think we, most of us like what the Dolphins have done. All right, uh, and they spent their cat room, got a, not, a lot of nice signings, and then they have how many draft picks, Mike? 14? Yeah. 14 draft picks. Honestly, I don't think they're going to use all 14. They'll be trading up, trading down to get players they want, which is what you should be doing. We know they have three picks in the first round, 5, 18, 26. So uh, five, listen, we all think five, or if they trade up, it's going to be a quarterback. You know, then after that, you sort of take your needs. What do you need? Yeah. What do you want? You know, uh, you look at this team. I think they still need a running back at some point. I'm not saying a first-round running back. not saying that at all. But Jordan Howard, mm, more of a they running got back. got three picks in the first round. It, it's not inconceivable that they, they would take. take number one running back, probably. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. not inconceivable that they would do that. I, I wouldn't recommend that. But if they really like DeAndre Swift and he's sitting there in the mid-20s, then maybe that's the way they go. The Raiders did that last year, right? They had multiple picks, so they, they took Josh Jacobs, a guy that they'll have for the next few years. So keep going. They signed Ted Karras on a one-year deal. Shaq Lawson, three-year, $30 million deal. Again, these are uh, intra-divisional inter players. Emmanuel Ogba signed a two-year, $15 million deal uh, with the Dolphins. He comes over from the Browns. Landon Roberts, former Patriot, he signs there. And Kyle Van Noy, former Patriot, signs there. So it's interesting. Two teams, both the Giants and the Dolphins, signed two linebackers away from the same team. The Giants signed two Packers linebackers. The Dolphins signed two Patriots linebackers. Obviously, there's a New England influence down there with Brian Flores. Uh, but I, I think we continue to look at the Dolphins in, in a manner that I just talked about. It's cyclical. They're trying to turn over the roster. They did a bunch of it last year, trading away players like Minka Fitzpatrick and others. And it seems painful at the time, but he's going to ultimately have, George, in about two off-seasons, probably 35 to 40 new players on this roster. Oh, at least. I mean, uh, yeah, they, they turned it over massively here. I wonder if they're going to be a play for a wide receiver. We don't know about Preston Williams, who really came on strong, big time last year, yeah. and then tore his ACL we, because of what's going on. I, I assume he's okay. He's going to be okay for week one, whenever that is. But uh, we don't know that for sure. So will, will they be in play for a wide receiver? Tight end, they won't be. And after that, Mike, I think it's sort of, just sort of best player available. Yeah. You know, so Don, well, yeah, well, a running back, quarterback are definite during the draft. And after that, BPA. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I agree. I think they can keep attacking like that. And with all those picks, 14 picks, they can maneuver around a little bit. Dolphins uh, number is set at six, up from four and a half last preseason. What do you say? Until I see what the quarterback is and when, is he, when he's going to play, that's tough. Yeah. I, think, I think they're a better team. I think they could be a slightly surprising team if these draft picks hit. You know, uh, but I think, they're gonna, I think they're looking for Tua, and I don't think Tua is going to play to let's say, half the season. Yeah. Yeah, before he takes over from Ryan Fitzpatrick. And Fitzpatrick was good last year, but he's up and down. We know that. I'm gonna, I think the six is about right. I would probably lean towards the under there, but I wouldn't bet it. Yeah, I had them as a hard under at four and a half last year. I like the over right now for the Dolphins. I like the way they're building it, and I think they can outperform expectations, but still more to go with the draft and everything else. That's it for the AFC East. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the Challenge Gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.